Welcome to the MA Roadshow, episode number 251. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me. More on that a little bit later. In the meantime, I do have some very fine replacements. The young Mike Bond has made his way down from the Great White North. Hello, Mike Bond. Yes, sir. Thank you. And the one and only governor himself, Simon Head, is here from jolly old England. How you doing, sir? I'm shaking my head and in disbelief at your awful English impression. Wow, You've Cole known me this long. not you here. To, you need to pick it up. Somebody's got to have terrible impressions, match. man, if Cole Coffey's not here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Hello, governor. All right, let's, uh, let's set the scene here. First of all, we are, of course, in Las Vegas. UFC 246 is this week. We're all in here to cover that fine event. But more specifically at this moment, we are at Buffalo Wild Wings at Warm Springs and Durango. The, the spiritual mecca. birthplace. The mecca. The mecca. It is the spiritual birthplace of the MMA Road Show. It is, it is basically my cheers. It is, uh, you know, where, where I am Norm and I walk in. And everybody knows just, your name. This everybody knows my name. The frosty beverages come nonstop. I like it because they don't make me keep ordering them. They just keep bringing them, which doesn't make me feel guilty like I'm asking for them. You have to say stop. That's it. That's it. And basically my, my rule when, I, when, when I'm taking care of them and meeting them for the first time and saying, hey, you know, you're new to the staff. Here's what I need. Just keep them coming. Uh, and when I fall off the bar stool, bring me one more in a check. This you know happened I mean? earlier in the week. There's a, there, there, there was a new female member of staff who wasn't aware who you were. I know. What? So I we had to educate her. Got to break her in a little bit. And right now, tonight, she's waiting on us again, and she and she knew my name. She called me. So there we're breaking them in. All right. So that's the scene. But, but there's more to the scene that I think is imperative to get out of the way early as we get into this USC 246 discussion. And that is to talk about not where we are, but where we came from. And I don't mean that in a big metaphysical, uh, you know, that sort of way. I mean, actually, where you guys were. And I want to say you guys because I was in the same location. Unfortunately, um, I didn't get to enjoy it quite as much as you guys did. I had a little emergency pop up. Um, basically, and I'll, I'll share the emergency first. Um, I think it's safe to, to share now. Um, and it's only safe to share because I know that my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. But basically, I got a call. Oh boy, from, got a call from my wife—a panicked call from my wife, which scared me because anytime your wife is uh, panicked as she, as she reaches you, you know you're worried for safety. You know your your child, her own health. You know all those things. I was worried, but as it turns out, she was busy and stressed as moms do. I mean, she's got a million different things going on. I respect the hell out of her for that. But she was in a little bit of a hurry, backing out of the garage and didn't realize that the garage door uh, was not all the way up yet as she backed out. And so some, uh, some physical damage to the door, uh, and, and so she wasn't able to get it closed at first. And we're going we're gonna to have to pay a repairman to come by. There's definitely This is not something that we're going to be qualified to do ourselves. Um, but fortunately, nobody was hurt. There were no serious injuries. There is going to be some repair done around the Morgan household. But, uh, Call you know. Clay Guida, the carpenter, will fix that right up for you. There you go. I mean, if he's in town, I don't know, does the carpenter do garage doors? So, you know, listen, accidents happen. I'm just glad to know everybody's okay. But the thing is, we were all just kind of getting in the mood, right? I, I, I didn't get a chance to jump into that mood because I knew it was going to come home and I didn't know exactly what I was going to be facing. You guys, on the other hand, who are traveling from out of town and are hanging out, y'all got to enjoy the mood, and that was the launch party for El Recuerdo Mezcal from Jorge Masvidal, uh, of course, the BMF champ himself. 
uh, launched his Mezcal brand this weekend. And to celebrate, he had a get-together for everybody at the, uh, the Aria, a sky suite up in the Aria. Beautiful view of Las Vegas from up there. And listen, packed house, ton of people there, uh, some not hard on the eyes uh, service staff there that was just pouring shots nonstop of Mezcal. And, and Jorge had a rule, and we were given the rule, and, and I don't know if he came up with the rule, but his management group made it clear, listen, no interviews will be done tonight unless you are on camera drinking Mezcal with Jorge Masvidal. So if you want anything from the BMF champ, uh, you've got to have a Mezcal in hand. Now, uh, I sacrificed. I, I, I lived up to that. But, again, my intake was a little bit minimum because I knew I had to go home and deal with this situation. Uh, you two guys, on the other hand, did not have such situations. And I, I, I wasn't counting. I'm not trying to be the, uh, you know, the police over here seeing what was going on. Uh, but let's just say uh, you got a chance to heavily sample the new Mezcal. Yeah, uh, well, in particular, uh, I was, you know, the very last person to do an interview with Jorge uh, before, you know, everyone wrapped up. There was many, many media members. I mean, you can look at probably anyone's social media that you know that's recognizable in MMA media, and they probably have a similar video to us all right. out there. But uh, Jorge, you know, made me do two back-to-back, -back, which was, you know, a, an interesting twist there. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, Jorge Masvidal knows how to throw a party, that guy. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, it's a different journey that you had tonight. You came from point A to point B. Jorge Masvidal has come from an all kinds of different point A to point B, from a guy who was fighting in the backyards on YouTube years ago to here he is in a penthouse suite, uh, you know, hosting his own liquor, owning his own liquor brand. It's an incredible journey. I mean, look at this guy. He in 2017 at the end, he had lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and he was just that guy that a lot of people knew him as. You know, we've we've been following his career since the Strike Force days. Some of us even earlier than that, and we've always known Jorge Masvidal's had a lot of potential. That he was one of those guys. He just never really lived up to it. He just needed to pull the trigger a little more. And 2019, that was his vow to himself to do that. He was our fighter of the year, or one of our fighters of the year. I think breakout. Two. Was he breakout? Breakout yeah. fighter of the year, knockout he, of the he, year. Yeah. Came up, came up sh just short in number fighter two, of the year. We ended up going with Adesanya. Yeah. yeah, it was it was neck and neck, man. I, voted, neck I neck. voted Jorge. Yeah, I voted him. I went with Adesanya, but I mean, I think Nevertheless. part of that was knowing that I think he fits the definition of breakout fighter of the year. You know, a guy that has been around forever and then now is 100% in the spotlight. One of the biggest stars in sport. I mean, Conor McGregor is still the biggest star for sure. But, I mean, Masvidal, at least in terms from a website operator point of view where we look at clicks he's really and we close. see that, oh, he's, he's, he's right there. Yeah, he, that guy is, is money. I mean, I don't really know what to say. His personality, everything, you know, he knows how to, you know, turn stuff into gold. He's just it's amazing to see his journey like if you had told me you know that night when he lost to Stephen Thompson even coming into the Darren Till fight we all thought you know this is going to be Darren Till's you know rebound from losing to the title fight to Tyron Woodley he gets that incredible knockout and, you know the the rest is history we don't need to run through everything that happened with you know Ben Askren Nate Diaz it's uh and then here he is coming into 2020 and the world is his oyster yeah pretty impressive and, and you touched on it briefly there but I, I don't want to uh, overshadow that a part owner in this brand, not just a brand ambassador, which is cool enough. I mean, when you, uh, you know, when you get somebody to pay you to say you like something, there ain't, there ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, but to actually have a, a financial stake in it, um, it is pretty cool for Jorge Masvidal. So let's do this real quick. We got a lot to talk about the UFC 246, but 
hey, Game Bread does factor into UFC 246, so he'll be a big part of this discussion. Uh, and I figure, hey, since uh, that's where you guys are coming from, I mean, really just walking in the door, uh, still smelling of mezcal right now. As Two worms, by the way. Two worms. Dos wormos, yeah. I don't think that's how you say it. That's as good as it's going to get from me. <laughs> apparently, is, is it 18 years good luck? I, I, think I believe eight said. years each, so I eight. believe you have 16 years of good luck now. I'm, 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 I'm doing well. Yeah, I like it. Two, you consumed two worms. Yeah. Yeah, Mezcal, if you don't know, uh, you know, a lot of people do make the, uh, the, the mistake of saying that, that you know, there's a worm in tequila. That's not true. There, there is not a worm in tequila, but there is a worm in Mezcal. And you consumed two of them. Two of them. Yeah. On purpose, or did you just get handed them? It was the luck of the draw, John. The luck of the draw. Uh, here he is still standing, so and proud here I of you, am. mate. Yeah. Did, you, uh, did, you, did you bite into the worm? Or did I, you just bit, I bit the second one, and yeah. it was a bad idea. Yeah, I was going to um, say, that's the, that's the play. It was, a, it was a bite and then a very quick gulp, <laughs> to be honest. But no, you know. Well, there you go. When in Rome. Simon Head is dos wormas into the evening. All right, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's hear real quickly uh, from uh, my conversation a little bit earlier with Jorge Masvidal at his uh, launch party for El Recuerdo. You don't need salt, lime, and all that. The flavor's so good, you don't even need those. All right, let the record reflect that normally I don't, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I don't abstain from it. And never on camera. And never on camera. It's not, but you know what? This guy drinks. 15 years I've known him, something like that. Don't drink. But there's rules, and I was told the rule is tonight you got to have one. So that's only, I'm a guy that follows rules. I'm a guy that follows rules. So you sip it. That's it. You sip it. Ask all the questions you want. That's it. All right. You back home too can do the same. You sip it and then send your questions. In. <laughs> I like Ori. Let's talk about it, man. Thug out goon from Miami, Florida. Now we're in the penthouse in Las Vegas. You're launching a mezcal line that you are an owner in, not just a brand ambassador. I mean, what an idea, man. Life is life is changing for you quick. It was a lot of work, my brother. Uh, you would know as a lot of people 2017 wasn't the best year I ended in a bad term 18 we had a lot of plans already going into 19 this was already a huge conversation we already had a lot of talks before that we needed 2019 to go exactly the way it did I need, it couldn't have gotten no other way no one degree this way no one degree that way I had to go exactly how it went keep that temperature there and make the most out of it not just for myself but for the plans that we had in back that nobody knew yet so 2019 people had no idea how much pressure I had going in there going into that London arena that's where the whole thing starts that's where it goes south or I take off you know and I'm just I'm looking then I'm, I'm thinking since that then till now I saw it all in my head first man I saw all this already man okay see that's what I want to ask you about right everybody talks about what a great 2019 you had right but it's so funny because you're like the 15 year old overnight sensation, right? It's not like all of a sudden, right, you know, it's not like all of a sudden you figured out how to fight. You know, I heard people asking you today, oh, you know, what changed? You always knew how to fight. So, but what is it that you figured out about the game or about the system or about whatever that allowed you to go from, yeah, a guy that knows how to fight and that puts on great fights to the biggest superstar in the game? Self-analyzation. One thing that I am with myself is very brutally honest. My my worst critic is usually me. Great sparring session, great wrestling practice, it doesn't matter. The greatest critic, the hardest critic is usually me. I had a lot of time off in that reality show, like I told you. And that's where this comes. That's where the, the constant... Man, that time that I fought in Seattle, what was I thinking before the fight? From little things like that, what was I thinking in the locker room? 
YouTube. Wait up. Oh shit, did I eat that day? Damn, did I? Fuck, let me remember. Oh shit, I didn't. Uh, what, what, all those things add up to a formula. I took the best formulas constantly. They gave me the best meat in training, in fighting, in any situation. Not just the physical, but the mindset that I was walking into a situation. It's those emotions that we're feeling going into things to change things. You know, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling happy, if you're feeling this. So I got everything in check. So the pro side, I could get the best results ever. Because I was looking at the guys going, man, I can knock that guy out. I could separate myself from the pack. The other thing was making that firm decision that no matter what happens, I can't make a decision. It just, it just can't. On my worst day scenario, someone's going to get split open and the referee's going to stop it. Because that's it. I know if I go to decision, I'll just walk out of the cage. Literally, I'll just walk out of the cage. You know, Even if I want it in my mind, I feel like I lost this. I just walk out. And it's something that I embedded in my brain. It's not. It's never going to leave. You know? So things worked out for you phenomenal. You said the pressure was on, but man, you delivered in every situation. Life is good on the business side of things as well. So so what's the feeling now in 2020? I mean, is there still pressure to, to live up to these big expectations, or is there a different feeling? 2019, PG-13 movie. 2020 is going to be a rated R movie. Not everybody's allowed to watch this. It's going to be pure violence. It's going to be a lot of it. What is the right next move? I mean, is that what you're trying to figure out, the way what goes? I mean, is this like smart business decisions, that sort of thing? I mean, I know you'll step in there with anybody. So how, how do you figure out your next move? We wait. We patiently wait. We got Connor coming up. You know, Connor's hinted to wanting to fight. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. We don't know what Connor's really thinking. All we know is that... I got a task list. I can't share it to the world just yet, but I got a... No, no, no. I got a nice task list. Oh, you think uh, a lot of those things that happened last year by coincidence, but they're not. A lot of those things were methodically planned to the point that I wrote down a lot of them. I said, these are the goals I would like to accomplish this year. This year's no different. I got a nice task list, and as I start checking it off, I'll start telling you. We'll do it on your show. In Espanol? In Espanol, on your show, I'll start telling you, I told you so. We'll talk about accolades, and I go, yeah, I told you I had something in the task list. That was it right there. Me gusta mucho. Gracias, gracias. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> this guy drinks mezcal and starts talking Spanish all of a sudden, bro. Well, let me ask you just one thing. How many times will we see you fight in 2020? If you can't name off the names. No, I, I, the names I can't, but the, the frequency that I would like to have covering all aspects would be two to four. No more than four, and four would be special matches circumstances, because we're going for like three MMA fights, a boxing fight came in, if, if the right type of thing came in, we're open to four bouts. I'm also 35, so I gotta make sure my body's is right, you know? I could I could do just what I did last year, but that's already, that's a lot of training going on, that's a lot of wear and tear. I, I need a lot of rehab, a lot of time off as well, you know? So we're looking to do two to three. Four, if we need to. I heard you say today, I think for the first time, that, oh yes, look at this, beautiful, man, it's fantastic. Like I said, don't normally drink, but on a night like tonight, when a, a product is being launched, you really have no choice, and it is a fine product. It is a fine product. <laughs> it's one of my goons, man. You don't know better. I heard you say today, I think for the first time, man, three years and you're out. I don't think I had heard that before. Give me give me an idea. I know you, you, you can't lay it all out, but what do you want to accomplish before that three years is done? What's the end game? Is it just, you know, stacking paper in the bank? Is there something else on the list? What what matters before you can walk away? I'll stack the paper right now, today. But it's not the ultimate thing. Because once I have the money and my kids are set for life, I don't give a fuck. I don't need the money like that, you know. And there's certain things that are in place that already I don't have to fight. But I want to fight. I love to fight. I want to fight 
three more fucking years is what I want to do. And at the highest level, I don't want to be some bum dude that had a name. And no, 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 I want to be at the highest level. When I walk away, it'll be on my terms, you know? Um, it's definitely going to be three years, though. I, I, I can't tell you what I'm looking to break in these three years, but I'll give you hints. I did get knock out of the year. I did get fastest knockout of the year. There's another point, there's another face to that coin. Okay. Isn't it? There's, a, there's other things in there. I'm not going to say shit, but there's a lot of important things going on. There's a lot of, I, I look up and I go, shit, I want to separate myself like never before. I want to leave all those guys that's not even, not just the guys in my weight now. I'm talking about performance-wise, pound-for-pound-wise. That's something big. I, I broke into the top five maybe a couple years ago, but I'm still to hit the pound-for-pound list. That's obviously in the goals to come for that, you know? So that's one of my task lists. Saturday night, is there going to be any part of you that's cheering for Conor McGregor, knowing what a superstar he is, knowing what kind of attention he brings to the sport? Is there any part of you that's going to be cheering because thinking that would be a huge fight for you? Definitely cheering for Conor because of the paychecks that we could make. Definitely cheering for Conor in that aspect. But more than anything, I just want to see a good fucking fight. I want to see two guys with a lot of decision that ain't backing down that are saying, man, this is my night. That's what I want to see, you know? And the chips are fall where they need to be. And last thing, people that want to support, they want to drink the mezcal de mezcales, the El Recuerdo el Mezcal. I'm, try, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something about it. I don't normally drink, but when I do, this, it's, it's just something in this. It teaches you Spanish right away. You're rolling R's, you're fucking, what the fuck's going on, bro? <laughs> How can people support it? Where can they go out and, and, and get the brand and, uh, and stock up? We're going to be in Miami, Florida, Orlando, Tampa, Dallas, Houston, California, and Vegas. So the other cities are coming, but those are the, the initial target, five cities that we're going to hit, and we're going to hit them hard. Best of luck to you, brother. We're looking forward to the 2020 plan. Right, so there he is, game bred in good spirits, man. Like I say, things are going well for him. The uh, the 15 year overnight sensation, man. It's it's uh, fun to see the journey that that guy had in 2019. But uh, we'll see where it goes in 2020. Could it potentially cross paths with Conor McGregor, guys? Let's get into this 246 talk, um, man. First and foremost, let me just say, you know, I heard a lot of the discussion, and I think understandably so, coming into this week. Is there buzz? Are people as excited about the return of, of Connor as, as they should be or as we expected them to be? I will say now, you know, as we're sitting down on a Thursday evening, as we always do to record the MMA Roadshow, uh, as far as I'm concerned, man, the buzz, the buzz is happening. There is no question. There still to this moment is, is just nothing quite like a Connor McGregor fight week. It's always this way. I remember we've done fight weeks before here in Vegas where we've got to like Wednesday and it's like, I don't know. Is this is is this going to really kick off? Is it going to be another big Connor fight week? It's been quite quiet, but then the Irish arrive, and then it all goes up a level. Press conference yesterday. We had the cues going out of the door at the Palms. Amazing. I mean, a, a line that was circling the lobby of the Palms Amazing. for fans to get in, and it was a 5 p.m. press conference, and we were told by security that at 10 a.m. fans were already starting to line Madness. up. Madness. But, I mean, this is the thing. Like we, We'd had a lot of cautionary tales from from Ireland that maybe the the general groundswell of support for Connor wasn't quite as strong as it had been in you know for some of his previous big fights in the UFC. But, of course, it only takes a certain amount of them to get over to Vegas to really translate that into something big. And there is a real buzz there. But the, the thing that is, 
it's almost gone under the radar a little bit is that everybody loves Cowboy Cerrone. Right. So you've not it's not Connor versus person A. It's Connor versus Cowboy and that factor I think in a lot of in a lot of fact um, in a lot of uh, different quarters has almost been ignored is there's an awful lot of Cowboy Cerrone fans going to be in that building on fight night and if Cerrone wins it's going to be the feel good story of the decade for the UFC because he's been there seen it done everything except forget the title or win that massive massive fight and he signed off with it at the media day today he put the he signed off did the almost did a mic drop didn't he he said Cowboys turning up for the big one. Drops the mic, walks off the stage. I love it. You know what's funny is that I hadn't even really thought of this fight in those terms until we sat down earlier this week on Monday do the spinning back click that we do every week with the MMA Junkie Radio guys. Uh, Mike Bond was there. Um, and I think it was Goes that mentioned how this is an opportunity for Cowboy to kind of address that in his legacy. That, okay, yeah, maybe you don't – maybe you came up short on those title fight opportunities. But this really is a chance for him to say – you know, this was a big fight. This was a big moment. I mean, and it is because, you know, you talked about the Irish coming in, and and, and that's true. And, and I do feel like probably less traveled this time. I mean, this is not UFC 189 where they, were just, where they really just overtook the city. Um, but the thing is, man, like as we're sitting in a Buffalo Wild Wings, man, a, a, a setting where just casual fans that don't necessarily, uh, you know, consider themselves hardcores by any stretch of the imagination, they're asking about the fight. You know what I mean? They're talking about the fight. You know, we're seeing – uh, the hits on Sports Center and whatever else. I mean, this is just the kind of fight when Connor fights that the casual fans come out, and it's a great opportunity for for the sport to shine and for for the sport to get some love. And uh, man, I mean, like like Brock Lesnar, like Ronda Rousey. I mean, this really is at this stage. Even though he's been off for 15 months, even though he's had some difficult times outside of the sport, the star the star's still there. It is, and I will be, I'll admit right now, I legitimately, on the record, said multiple times, I did not think Conor McGregor was coming back. I thought, you know, he, he wasn't going to be back in the ring. I didn't think he was going to be able to, you know, I thought I didn't discount him from being able to maybe get off the track that we saw him going in a negative way. But I just thought, you know, what what's going to be his motivation to come back? What's really going to get him out of bed? Even if he did come back, I did not expect the version we've seen this week, and we can get into that later, like how on point he's been, but... I'll say right now and say I've missed this so much. Like to have this type of excitement, this type of hype around a fight week, whether it's a like you said, a Ronda Rousey, a Brock Lesnar. You know, sometimes if a John Jones is involved in a really big fight, it gets that feel. If but it's even, Cormier, if it's yeah, Cormier, it basically, basically if it's Cormier, yeah. and but like even that, nothing really compares to this. And it just, you know, he sat up there today during his scrum and said, you know, like even you guys are probably really happy. I see you all smiling ear to ear, and we are, man. Like. It does his high tide raises all boats. It does. The Conor McGregor tide, and it's it's good for the sport. It's good for everything. You know, I have casual friends who are just like watch here and there. I have like a uh, homies chat with all my high school friends and stuff. And I saw the messaging. Do you really have it labeled homies chat? <laughs> it's the, it's the homies. Whatever, judge all you want, but you <laughs> know, I'm judging. judging. I'm judging, I'm judging right I'm now. Judging. Yeah. They're they're in there. You know, they're they're saying who's coming to watch the fights on Saturday, and you, you don't see that very often. So like it, Conor McGregor just creates a layer to the sport of interest that just is unmatched and it's nice to cover a fight week like this and we can get into the dynamics of how the actual fight week is breaking down yeah. but it is it's so good for everyone the buzz is here there's no question about it. all right let's do this i'm assuming that most people that have that are listening to this podcast are hardcore mma fans but just in case you haven't 
Uh, I, I want to play just a few minutes. Conor McGregor did come today to the media day. Uh, and, and in the media day, it was, uh, you know, we had like a normal media day where everybody got to kind of move around and talk to everybody. But for, for Conor McGregor and for Cowboy Throwing, it was set up a little bit different. It was at the UFC Apex, number one, uh, which turned out to be a great host. You know, there's a lot of space awesome. in there. We weren't jammed into a hotel conference room somewhere that didn't really have an ideal layout or whatever. I mean, to be honest, I, I hope the UFC does more of this. But um, in, instead of scrums, they had Conor up there on a, on a stage. Um, it gave us plenty of room to spread out. And, 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 and there were microphones passed around. So um, instead of it being kind of a crazy scrum or whatever, it was a little bit uh, just, I don't know, the, the, the audio was cleaner, man. It was it was a more kind of civilized environment, so to speak. It felt more intimate in some ways. It felt cool. I it dug was it. more of a conversation with him. I, I agree. Know? So um, just in case you haven't gotten a chance to, to hear what Conor McGregor is like this week, because it is vastly different. I do want to talk about that. We'll play just a couple of minutes here of audio uh, of Conor McGregor. This is basically just my conversations to kick off uh, the scrum with Conor McGregor. Well, Conor, uh, how's it going? Good. Con uh, on time yesterday, only only a half hour late today, uh, which yeah. is not, not bad. <laughs> Less than I would I'm on, the fight's getting close. I'm getting focused now. I want to fight. So I've given, I feel I've, I was early yesterday. I've been uh, handling the duties that they've put before me. <clears throat> So, give me a little bit of slack, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to praise you. It was less thank than you. I would get. Good man. Thank you. <laughs> Talk about yesterday, man, the press conference. I think it took a lot of people by surprise, right? The energy that was in there was obviously your first time back in front of the big crowd. There's no can throwing. There's no yelling at anybody. What, what did you make of yesterday and the, the energy there? I have to say I enjoyed it. I mean, it was good. There was competitive spirit there and a good energy in the crowd. And, you know, we're gearing up for a, for a fight. Um... I just react, like I said yesterday, I react how the situation is, and the situation has has been good, so it's been respectful, a welcome change, right, so happy days. I was going to say, a welcome change. I wonder, do you find this more pleasurable? I mean, I think in the past, man, you've had the weight of the world on your shoulders as you're, you know, creating these rivalries and, and, and making these intense battles that everybody wants to tune in for. Is this, is this better? Oh, there's still pressure here, right? There's still, there's still weight on the shoulders, so um, I enjoy it. I enjoy these moments. This is what I, this is what I love to do, right? So it's good to be back. Um, it's a different uh, response between myself and Donald, but it's still a high intense bout and make no mistake I'm coming with all my intent and all my all my skills to put Donald away. And Dana has said that there's some stakes here. It's basically a number one contender bout for you at lightweight if you choose. Um, I'm curious. I know you say you maybe that fight doesn't even happen. It's fallen apart so many times. But let's say the fight does happen. We all get to see it. Do you have a preference of you know getting a rematch with Habib versus if you were to take the lightweight title from Tony Ferguson? I think regardless of of the result, I think I should I should probably face both of these men. I would like to face both of these men. I'd like to face Tony Ferguson. I've had a history with Tony, right? We he was man we we managed Tony. He was well looked after. We had him one of the highest paid non-champions in the game, and you know there's, there's history with Tony. So. I'd like a belt with Tony at some stage. Of, of course, the rematch. We must, we must make that rematch. I'm pushing for the Moscow belt. I'd love to do that. Um, both men are certainly in, in the crosshairs. Yeah. And last thing for me, Connor. I mean, you got to take care of business first on Saturday. But you're a guy that gets to call the shots sometimes. We, we had Conor Usman here earlier, and he said, listen, if, if Conor wants it, I'm interested. We also had Masvidal here, and he mm. said he, his eyes kind of lit up a little bit. I think he's down. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He said he might even I'd say so. I'd say so. You know, this, uh, let's be real. It's the McGregor multi-million dollar fight club, right? Donald's next up. This will be a multi-million dollar payday for Donald. Gone from a couple of hundred thousand. 
I mean, t talk about the records and the amount of times this man's made that walk and he's he's never hit the seven-figure mark. Now he's going to hit the multi-seven-figure mark. So I'm very happy with that and very proud of that and proud of the position I'm in. So you best believe they're all, they're, all their eyes are lighting up when the notorious' name is mentioned. Uh, like I said, this 170 bout, uh, I made this bout at 170. <coughs> For the excitement that's going on in the 170 pound division, and and my 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 want to get in there with with, with this situation for the bad motherfucker belt or or the the actual the world championship belt. So both of those men are also on my radar. If you had to pick one of those three, if Dana came to you with the option, said, "Look, lightweight title fight, welterweight title fight, Masvidal for the BMF title," which which one would you prefer? Hmm, you know, whichever one comes up first, to be honest. I just want activity, right? I'm going to go in, I'm going to look to acquire rounds in here. I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm going to put pressure on Donald. going to going to hurt Donald, but if he can last, I'll be happy. I'll be happy to acquire rounds in here and then build on these rounds. I feel after the Diaz 2 build-up that I had and then the performance I had and the, the bout itself and then leading into the, to the Eddie Alvarez uh, fight, I just felt like I was in prime condition and untouchable. And So I'm looking to acquire that that. Uh, that 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 time in there again. So, um, whichever one comes up first, like I said, God God willing, I get out uh, or get out safe on Saturday night. Whoever's uh, up next, I know a date was mentioned in March. I'm up, I'm up for March also. You're going to see a lot of me, you know, you're going to see a lot of me here, so happy days for you all also. I know all your eyes are lighting up too. <laughs>
from this, you know, hatred and, and, and all this yelling. And I, I just I, I've had enough, man. Like, I love this sport and I love Conor McGregor's personality. But it was like it was all gone. And I feel like it's back this week. Now, I don't know if that means the early era Conor McGregor is back or it's just the way he's handling things. I, what do you guys make of this version of Conor McGregor? This, this version of Conor, Conor McGregor that we've seen this week, in my opinion, this is Conor McGregor. I think all of the stuff that we've seen, the El Chapo, all of the stuff during the Mayweather press conference, that's him overreaching. I think that's him going the extra yard that he doesn't need to do. He, he's just, you, you, we sort of hear about it, or even us sort of painting that narrative about turning yourself up to 11. Well, Conor turned himself up to 21, right? And, and in my opinion, went too far and almost jumped the shark at points. Right. You know what I mean? And, and this is the, for me, this is the real Conor McGregor. He's having fun. He was bantering around with Cerrone and I know like, uh, the animal rights people oh, were too the, happy with the with the with the whole the the whole snakeskin coat the exchange. Exchange of the suits of, it was pretty funny. But but the overall the overall uh, context of it, Conor McGregor is 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 being himself. He hasn't maybe he felt the need to maximise his, his his position and pushed himself too far and got himself out over his skis a little bit. And and I think now he's he's paired it back. He doesn't necessarily feel the pressure to oversell what he's doing. Just being back is enough. Be Conor McGregor. Be you. Turn up for the media stuff. Just answer the questions as you. You you have nothing to prove to anybody. You've been in the cage so many times. Even from the fights you've lost, right? You've been in the cage. You, you, you've delivered the goods so many times. And just go in and be you. And that's what he's done this week. He hasn't got someone the other side of the coin who has a sort of a resentment towards him saying, I'm going to take everything you've got or you've got something I want and blah, blah, blah. Cerrone is not once. I mean, like the, the closest thing Cerrone's come to saying is that, you know, if you want to give me some of your $80 million, then, you know, I'll, I'll be more than happy. <laughs> but that's literally it. You know, Cerrone, is, we're going to go in there and take the roof. McGregor's just being him. And for me... That's what I want to see. I'm a sports writer, right? I'm not a hype writer. I understand trash talk and it, 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 in the right context, it works. And I just think it got out, out of control with Connor. I, I do and too. I think now we're getting the real Connor. And I love this Connor. I think this is what we want. And win, lose, or draw on Saturday night, if he carries on in this vein, I think he's going he's gonna to win back a lot of fans that maybe he might have lost over the last 18 months. So there's two things, and, and Mike, I want to get your opinion on this. I mean, there's, there's two lines of thinking, I think, in, in evaluating this version of Conor McGregor, right? The first is, uh, well, bottom line is you're facing Cowboy Cerrone, right? Like, what, what, what trash are you going to talk anyway? And Cowboy's kind of come out and said it, you know, like, and I think he's right. I mean, the Cowboy is one of the most beloved figures in the sport. I mean, it's going to be hard to talk trash about him. And, you know, not just because he's beloved, but what, as he said, what are you going to say? Like, hey, man, you're, uh, you're stupid because you fight anybody anywhere anytime. Yeah, that's what fans like. Or, you know, hey, yeah. you lost your last two fights. I mean, you know, it, there's, there's just not a lot there to, to pick on. I mean, uh, you know, Hernandez went, and went after the day drinking Don thing, and I think that just made him even more beloved, you know. So there's not yeah. a lot of ways. So that's one thing is that, okay, Connor's acting this way because there is no way to really dig into him. So what are you going to do? And I think there may be something to that. But I think the other thing is, 
I mean, Connor got – I don't want to say humble because that almost sounds disrespectful, but, yeah, maybe. I mean, he went out there, and then he got beat pretty soundly in a rivalry match by, by Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, and, and, you know, th that belt is, is out there for him now, and, and Habib is saying, look, I'm not even that interested in fighting you again anyway. I mean, so you, you wonder if maybe the result of that fight – and, of course, he's opened up very much and said that, you know, his life was a little off, off kilter at that point – um, and everything that's happened since, you know, the assaults, uh, the investigations, the, the New York Times, I mean, all these things that are going on. I mean, so do you think it's more of Conor McGregor is realizing he needs to reinvent himself as a whole, as a person? Or do you think it just kind of comes down to this fight and it doesn't make sense for him to act that way in this situation? I think it can be both. I mean, I think this is what he needed to do to come back. I mean, people... He was just, he had every, the world in his hand and more. Like, there was, you know, UFC wasn't saying no to anything he was doing. He, you know, I'm sure the people around him weren't saying no, not to say he was surrounded by yes men technically, but like, you know, he was doing everything so perfectly in a lot of ways that it's like, who are you to doubt him if this is what he wants to do, if this right. is how he wants to approach certain things. So, like, he just had the biggest head of steam in the world, and then. He got all this money, he got, you know, everything, the Floyd Mayweather fight, all this stuff, and it's just like, it, so much coming to you. How, I, I can't really, because I've never been in there myself, but we've seen other athletes in this world, like, you just get so much coming to you that it's hard to slow yourself down, and this is really what I think he had to do. Yeah, he probably got humbled in a way, not just by Habib, but by everything else that's going to happen. He's got a family, he's got children that look up to him, I'm sure, you know, Connor Jr. and his daughter are one day going to be, you know, grown up. They're going to have access to the internet. They're going to see these videos of him more or less making a fool of himself. And at some point, you grow up. I mean, he was a late late 20s guy who had all the success come to him and it got to his head and he got way out of control. And we don't know, you know, you mentioned the New York Times thing. We still don't know the, like, everything that's defined there, but you can see this guy that is clearly trying to make some sort of strides to be different. He is not drank in the lead up to this fight, if you want to believe that. I, you know, he, I don't think I he's don't, lying about I it. I don't really why I need to. Yeah, I don't really have any reason to doubt him in that sense. Right. So, like, you know, you mature. Like anyone, you know, we all make mistakes. We could all, I'm sure, sit here right now and point to things that we've done in our teenage years, our 20s, that were just completely Ooh. foolish. Ooh. And we're lucky that we didn't have a worldwide spotlight pointed on us and Conor McGregor did and you know he faltered and now he's recognizing that how do I want to be looked at in history you know you can be looked at as the, you know one of these tragic more or less stories and I'm sure in his life it wouldn't be so bad because he still has all the money in the bank but I don't think for this guy that we've seen him from day one like Conor McGregor knows this sport, I think, as well as anyone. He knows the history of it. You bring up these other fighters, he'll talk about a fighter's performance that's, like, not even related to him, all these different things. Like, he knows the sport in and out, and he knows what his legacy would look like if he didn't reel this in. And for him, I think he needed to approach this particular fight this way and, you know, bring some back. And I have seen so much, you know, love or people backpedaling that were hating on him, changing their opinions. And it's, it's really been a good thing. And I don't think he needs to go through this whole year acting like this. And you know, But that's, I think, what's great about the fight game. One fight, you can act like this going in. And the next fight, whether it's you know, Masvidal, Habib, Ferguson, whoever it may be, he can act completely different. He may think, I asked him the question at the press conference, why did you take this approach to the fight when 
the marquee and the biggest trademark has been mental warfare for you. That's been one of your biggest assets ever. Look what it did to Jose Aldo, Chad Mendes, all these different people, Eddie Alvarez. And he said, you know, I'm as real as it gets. I go with the flow more or less, and I take the approach and how I feel. And this is how he feels, and it may not be how he feels for the next one, and he may revert a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see that, like, super crazy pre-Habib fight guy. Like, I think that was him peak, like, not knowing who he really was and just spinning out of control a little I bit. Agree. And now he's reeled it in and he's figured it out. And I I have faith that Conor McGregor is going to be, you know, a, an asset to the sport. And, of course, a lot of it depends. I don't know what happens if he loses in some horrible fashion on Saturday. That really mixes a lot of things up. But I think, you know, he's the betting favorite for a reason. Yep. I think a lot of us expect him to win. And we will see what happens after that. But... I can't really sit here and say he's done anything wrong in the lead up to this fight, and we'll just see how it goes from here. Yeah, but no, I agree, man. I, I, I think uh, a lot of what you say is true, and, and I, I do, I, I think, as you said, to, to start off, it's a little bit both. I mean, there is no real trash talk to have against Cowboys throwing, but at the same time, I do feel like, you know, Conor McGregor has made some adjustments. Um, you touched briefly on the New York Times thing. I, I did just want to say briefly, um, you know, coming into this fight week, I, I thought for sure it was a question that needed to be asked. Um, and and because he hadn't addressed it publicly that I had seen, and so it needed to be addressed. Now, um, it should be said just right up front. Um, everybody that I've talked to about the situation has basically said, "Listen, don't forget, you know, those privacy laws that are in place in Ireland apply to him too." Yep. Um, and so there's not a whole lot that he can say about an active investigation. Um, but that said, I did think it still needed to be asked. Um, I will say, uh, kudos to Ariel Hawani, man. I thought in the sit down that he did. Uh, with with Connor, I, I guess he did it last week, but it aired this week. Um, I thought he pressed Connor McGregor sufficiently enough on that. Now there may be some people that say, "Ah, oh, I should have gone in further." Should have um, used different verbiage, whatever. I get it, man. I, I understand, um, and, and that's interesting. People say, "Well, because I think what did you say? Like the alleged events or the New York Times yeah, report?" Yeah, yeah. Listen, I mean, if you are following anything Connor McGregor related, you probably understand what I was talking about. And if you were watching that interview, it was like maybe someone for the first time being like, "I'm just getting into Connor McGregor." for this fight, you could do a one-second Google search and know exactly what Conor McGregor about. knew what he was asking about. That's what I 100%. think is good. Like, I, I get it. I have seen some people hung up on, you have to say the words sexual assault. I, I don't know but that you do. You know what? And I agree, but I would say the majority of those people who are probably trash-talking Ariel about how he approached the questions are probably the same people that were booing the New York Times reporter at the press conference <laughs> when he tried to bring it up. And, you know, this is not me sitting here trying to hate on any listener that's an MMA fan, but you guys can be very fickle. You can't sit here one day and be like, MMA media, you guys need to be better. You guys need to step up your game and do it this way or this way or this way. And then when we try to ask a legitimate question at a press conference, you guys boo the dude out of the building and don't right. even let him spit out the right. full question. So you guys need to make up your mind. You know, you can't just have your cake and eat it too in that sense. No, I agree. I, I will say that, you know, had it not been addressed with Ariel, had I still felt the need, be sure. because I had said going in, you know, I'm going to – if it doesn't get asked, I'm going to ask it. That's part, that's part of my job. Yep. Um, I would I, – I'll, I'll admit I wouldn't have done it at the press conference. I would have done it at the at the scrum that we did today. For sure, because um, I knew that was what yeah. was going to happen. I talked to another reporter as we were actually getting in line, and uh, I won't bring up the name, but this person said, you know, should I ask about it? And I said, you know, if you feel comfortable, of course, and you got the microphone, but you're going to get booed out of the building. We've seen the situation before with, you know, not – this exact topic, but we've seen sensitive subjects come up at press conferences, and fans have booed the reporter out of the building and not really 
and not really allowed them to get the question out. And this one was particularly interesting because, you know, Cowboy jumped in right away before the guy. Dana jumped in. Like, Connor didn't even really get to bring up the mic. Both these, all these people were jumping in. The fans were booing. That guy didn't even really have a chance, and I do feel bad for him in that sense. But, you know, I, I just don't think, like, with the way I just know how fans act at those press conferences, that's not going to be the environment. And, yeah, maybe it's the most public environment, quote, unquote, because right. there's all the eyes on it. But uh, you're, I don't think you're going to get uh, – you're the best case answer. So I feel like if it was going to be asked on fight week, again, if we felt the need, if you didn't feel Ariel Hawani's questions or Connor's answers were sufficient, it would have been today at media. It would have been easy. You would have, you would, you would have gotten, uh, I think you would have actually gotten Connor to speak about it, you know, because, well, first of all, you wouldn't have had a crowd to boo and you wouldn't have had Dana to say, he already answered it. Don't worry about it. So sure. th today, so, and that's not a criticism of that reporter, by the way, it's no. just a, a, a thing that goes through my mind in terms well, of strategy even, and how you want to do it. He didn't even get a chance. Like he didn't even, all he said was like, you know, about the, uh, what, your legal troubles or whatever. He didn't even and get then to the, like, crowd just the question. Jumps on he him. didn't even really, and you kind of went along the same line there. Like you said something in the similar vein, but they knew what was coming from that guy. And then they lashed out and, it was it wrong is, time, wrong place. I think, I think the question needed to be asked. But what some people don't understand, what some people don't understand is that I, I don't think Connor can directly address it anyway. Exactly. From He'd a be legal right. perspective, because granted, I think it was, was it the New York Times uh, named him? In yep. Ireland, the, uh, the rules around reporting that sort of stuff are very different. So he couldn't be named. Now, given that that's... That, that that's where he lives. I don't know. I don't know where the jurisdiction falls and all the rest of it. But I think he. I think he's in a tricky spot, um, irrespective of of what's been alleged. But I, I don't think he he was in a position to comment anyway. My opinion, the question really should have been at Dana, not at Connor. The question should have been. Well, but um, Brett Okamoto had asked. And Brett Dana, had asked. But Brett had asked. Brett had asked. So, so that's why I didn't feel it necessarily need to go to Dana. No. I mean, Kudos to some of our other reporting brethren. That's why I didn't feel the need. I, I, I was like, you know, they've been adrift. Now, are the answers satisfactory? That's up to somebody else to decide. Well, you can like judge the that after the fact. But I mean, the, if the question's asked and then it's it's shut down and it's shut down, then people can draw their own conclusions and you know, sort of draw their own opinions from that. But asking a asking a a divisive question in front of a partisan crowd. Yeah, you know, you 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 are opening yourself up to, and and I have nothing I have nothing uh, negative to say about the guy who actually asked the question because it was a legitimate question. Right. I just think if he really wanted an answer, he was in the wrong setting to get it. Yeah, I agree. All right, let me ask you guys one more thing about Connor, and then we'll 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 move on to Cowboy. Um, I kind of wanted to ask Connor this, but it's it's difficult to ask a fighter, as you guys know, you know. Hey, what if you lose? You know what I mean? Like, is, is they can't go into that mindset thinking, well, I got, I've got Plan A if I win, and I got Plan B if I lose, because they're not even, you know, they can't even allow that possibility. The look to enter you their get head. if you ever do. It. I've done this before. Well, they just, you know, <laughs> the I, look you get. I understand, man. Their mindset, it, it, they can't allow that to be part of what they're thinking. But I do feel like, and it's crazy. So my written piece that, that comes out in USA Today tomorrow, which again, speaking of interest, we haven't had a written piece in USA Today in quite some time. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, that. so the, we've got a we've got a print piece coming out tomorrow. My print piece there, the the lead is kind of, hey, listen, uh, Conor McGregor is clearly the biggest star in the UFC, and that's probably not going to change anytime soon. But we're going to find out on Saturday night if he's still a legitimate title contender. Now he can always jump into a title fight just because of his name. 
but is he a legitimate title contender? I feel like this is an evaluation of where he still stands skill-wise um, and execution-wise and, and all those things. So in many ways, like, I'm, I, I see this as a very big crossroads fight for Conor McGregor. I mean, you touched on it briefly, Mike, about, you know, what if he loses? And, and man, I mean, the thing is, his name is so big, his star is so bright, that even if he loses, first of all, the Nate Diaz trilogy yeah. Easy money, right? It doesn't matter wins or losses, whatever. I mean, the, that's I, what I'm, we've always said. We're like, these guys can lose five in a row. Five in a row, they can yeah. still do it, right? So, I mean, it's not that that would be, hey, man, there's no more big money fights available for you. No, no, no. You can do Nate Diaz trilogy, and then if you win Nate Diaz trilogy, then maybe you. I mean, there's there's options on the table, right? Um, but uh, that said, I mean, long term wise and even short term, I mean, what's what's available in terms of options? Because if you lose. I don't see many options available outside of the Nate Diaz trilogy. If he wins, now you're talking about, hey, man, do you want the lightweight title shot, the welterweight title shot, the BMF title shot? Do you want, I don't know, you, you're moving up to middleweight. Uh, you want us to create a, a, you know, a belt for you. But, but so in my mind at least, I mean, we haven't seen him win in three years. And he said, I think that's a little bit of a false narrative. I did go box. I did, you know, I did fight Beeb, and, you know, I outstruck him and all those things. But the bottom line is you haven't won a fight since November 2016. And, yes, you may be a huge star, but at the end of the day, we still need to see some wins every now and then out of you. So I am looking at this as very much a crossroads fight for Conor McGregor. Am I out of line for that? No. <laughs> No, go ahead, oh, sorry, mate. I was, I was just going to say, um, I, had to, I had to give the, uh, the BBC some quotes uh, just as I was flying out. Uh, they wanted some quotes from me, and they did a feature on, is this a fight for relevance for Conor McGregor? And I said no, because he is relevant. He will, always, he will always be relevant, but this is a fight for legitimacy. Mm -hmm. And I think they are, they are distinctly different, because he will be relevant because he pulls in the numbers, and he has a, a, a captive fan base who will support him. He has a character that means that people gravitate towards his fights. But from a sporting standpoint, you've also got to deliver the results. And, and combat sports in particular is a very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And what-have-you-done-for-me-lately, Conor McGregor, in terms of results, not a lot, right? And that's not a knock on him. He's fought once since 2016. He's fought once. In, in mixed martial arts, since 2016, he lost. If you want to include his boxing match, he lost that as well, right? But he hasn't won. He's not, he's, he's not had his hand raised and picked up a win bonus for three and a bit years, okay? That is an undeniable, undisputable fact, okay? Great, he's raking it in from everywhere else. All power to him. But as a sportsman, you, are, you live and die by your results. And... That's why this fight is so pivotal. And you say it's a crossroads fight. It is a crossroads fight. Because no matter what career you're in, whether you're a sportsman, whether you're a journalist, whether you're you know, a guy working, working on a, on a, so, you know, as a laborer or something, the best thing you can have in your life is options. Right. Right? Leverage and options. If you've got leverage and you've got options, you're in a good spot. Conor McGregor's fan base and box office star power gives him leverage. But if you can't win the options start to fall away. Oh. And at the moment, he's in a position now where you look ahead and he's had all the questions today. He's got Cowboy Cerrone. Granted, if he loses, there's a rematch. There's an instant rematch there, right? But if he wins, you've got Masvidal, you've got Usman, you've got Diaz, you've got Khabib, 
You've got all of these fights. You've got Floyd Mayweather. Ferguson Gaethje. Ferguson Gaethje. Floyd Mayweather. Manny Pacquiao. Right. He has got, he's got six or seven at least viable options that will deliver big, big box office returns for him and for whoever's promoting that fight. UFC, Zufa Boxing, whoever it might be, right? McGregor Sports and Entertainment, right? If he loses to Donald Cowboy Cerrone, some of those options fall off the table. A title fight with Khabib falls off the table. A title fight with Kamaru Usman Absolutely. falls off the Does table. It? Does it? Right? You could maybe promote your way into a BMF fight with, with, with Jorge at a stretch. But really, then you're looking at in emergency, break glass, get Nate Diaz. But then you've got a problem because Nate, Di if, if he loses and they go calling oh, to Nate, Nate Diaz, has all the Nate Diaz is the man with a leverage and he's going to be asking for telephone numbers, right? Yeah. So he's going to be asking for telephone numbers money. So he's going to need insane money to get back in there with McGregor. And it gets to the point where he's almost the A-side in, in, in the negotiation. So it feels like we're on the fulcrum right now. And if he wins, the world is his oyster. If he loses, all of a sudden... They're gonna, you know, they're, they're they're kind of in a sort of a defensive sort of position. They've got, us, okay, what do we do? I mean, maybe Justin Gaethje suddenly comes into the comes into the conversation. I don't know, or or he goes down the boxing route. Options. It's so all Mike, about. What options. do you think? I mean, is is this critical for for Conor McGregor? I mean, are we talking about a critical moment in his career? Of, of course, it's important. Like, of course, him winning is better for everyone. Like, it open, it gives more legitimacy to the options. But look where we are right now. We're sitting here. We just confirmed a fight with Yo Romero and Israel Adesanya. Yo Romero is coming off a loss fighting for a title. We could very well see Henry Cejudo and Jose Aldo fighting for a title this year. Jose Aldo is coming off a loss. They were trying to give Brock Lesnar a title shot last year. Coming, all right, technically, well, no contest, whatever, but how long has it been since he technically won an MMA fight? Like right. ten, year, like eight years or something, really? They can Dana White has I think one of the like sentiments this week whether it's your interview uh, what he's done with like TSN BT Sport everything he's repeated this oh uh, you know when we say like because everyone's pretty much brought up 2019 was the biggest year you say all that kind of stuff oh his thing was all the experts who think they know everything about the sport they actually don't know anything like about the business and how this goes and blah 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 and. I mean, maybe he probably would listen to this podcast and be like, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about until, like, no. what could actually work. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, like. He's they, a regular listener, and he tells me all the time. It's, it's fantastic. They, they could find some way to work Conor McGregor into whatever situation they want if they really want it. Like, it's of true. course, him coming off a win makes it a lot easier to justify anything because if he does win this fight, you could put him in any situation, lightweight, welterweight, BMF, whatever the hell Conor McGregor wants, you can do that. But look where you know where we are in the first five months of the year. We could have two title fights where we have guys coming off losses fighting for a title. So to sit here and act like Conor McGregor losing again is going to disqualify him from like any opportunity, you could very well fit him in. And I, I, I don't think – you know, Simon's – his, his point is great about you know the sporting aspect, but – we're, I feel like, so far gone from that at this point, like, with all these different things going on. I, you know, we want to sit here as purists and, like, you know, this is what it should be, the rankings, this, that, and the other thing. But, like, Conor McGregor obviously is an outlier to whatever he wants. Um, granted, if he gets, like, knocked out brutally by Cowboy or something, then that changes the game. If he loses, like, a, you know, split decision, like a Jose Aldo who just did, or Yoel Romero. He Back can, and forth brawl, uh, Of maybe. course, so those are slightly different situations. Yoel Romero didn't just get, like, flatlined in his last fight or something, so that makes it a little different. But 
Yeah, it's just, uh, I guess the overarching theme of what I'm trying to say is, of course him winning would be best case scenario because that opens everything up. But we've seen the UFC, they are the masters of spin. Conor McGregor is even a bigger master of spin from them. So if they decide they want to, even if he loses, they want to go down this avenue or this avenue or this avenue, they'll somehow make it work. I was just going to say, to sort of back up, back up what you're saying, the Yo Romero thing, he's coming off two losses, right? He's, he's lost three of his last four, and the fight that he won, he missed weight for, right? So if you want to, if you want to put an asterisk on that and say, when right. was the last time he won a fight at his weight class, having made weight, you've got to go back to November 12, well, 2016. He's seriously pissed off at that fight. Right? <laughs> Is that so, the same night Conor McGregor last won a fight? Uh, yes, it was. UFC 205. There you go. So there you go. So <laughs> Romero, Romero's fought four times since then, lost three of them. One, he, he, he absolutely brutalized Luke Rockhold, but he weighed 187.7, <laughs> right? So, and he's got a title fight. So, you know, the, yep, U I'm right. Connor, the, the UFC has Connor, what? It doesn't matter what happens, Connor. <laughs> I think, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced. Promotional latitude, I think is the phrase. Promotional latitude. They've got a bit of wriggle room. And when you pull in the numbers that Connor pulls in, you can get away with it. But Con it's, Conor it's McGregor's hired UL Romero as his new manager to go in and, and negotiate his next fight. And it's ultimately down to Connor, though. Like, if he loses, like, of course, if they wanted to give him whatever, he'd be down to do it. But maybe he, you know, you don't know how he'll feel about it. Like, if he loses badly, I mean, I honestly think, as I asked Cowboy earlier today at the media scrum, if he, we've seen Connor McGregor every time he's lost. He lost to Nate Diaz. He was obsessed with the rematch. That's all he wanted. He lost to Habib. That's, you know, what he seemingly wants more than anything. He wants to go to Russia to avenge that loss. He wants to go to Habib's territory. If he loses to Donald Cerrone in whatever fashion, I'm expecting his next move is probably going to be a rematch. I think history oh, shows from Conor McGregor what has happened when he's lost a fight. That's what he wants back. So I, if we're sitting here saying what happens to Conor McGregor if he loses, my money would be on a Donald Cerrone rematch. All right, let's talk about Cowboy Cerrone. He uh, was typical Cowboy, just kind of what you expect from at this point. We, we, we've seen the song and dance many a times, the uh, most wins in UFC history, um, and you kind of know what to expect. But uh, nonetheless, uh, man, a, an absolute legend and, and a future UFC Hall of Famer for sure. And he uh, gave us a few minutes as well. I'll, uh, just in case you haven't heard from Cowboy in a while, I'll give you a couple of minutes of this press conference as well. Uh, a, couple of, a couple of my questions to start off the day. Uh. Feels different not having everybody else sitting. <laughs> Cowboy, I figure we should start out with uh, talking about Connor's jiu-jitsu and grappling and how you're going to approach that. No, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> talk, hey, just talk about a day like today. I mean, one day away from the weigh-ins, and you're riding around on, on your Harleys and hanging out with your crew. Uh, today, can you tell me, is there ever a reason for you to fight at 155 pounds again? Or uh, does being able to enjoy life a little bit more make it so that you, you stay at 170 moving forward? Uh, the problem is those guys at 170 are so big, hit so hard, you know, like... Um, Throughout camp, I'm like between 174 and 178. Man, I'd have to drink a gallon of milk to get over 80, you know? So it's so easy. Um, like yesterday, we were in the sauna. Everyone's like, what are you doing in the sauna? Like, man, we sit in the sauna at the ranch every night. I love it. You know, I just love drinking water in there and hanging out. But I mean, uh, yeah, I was 174 this morning when we woke up. It's not like it's a crazy, nasty cut. I'm fat and happy, ate breakfast, go playing on the bikes, but yeah, the sunshine, it's a beautiful day, you got to put the knees in the breeze and have some fun, so uh, 
I don't know. I love this journey, love this ride, man. It's, it's, it's so fun. So 170, I feel a lot healthier, a lot more fun. Yeah, 55, I'd be sitting here sucked up, pissed off, not wanting to answer anything. So feel good. Nice. I, I know you're not a guy that watches tape and watches a lot of fights, to be honest with you, but with Connor being you know, the biggest star in the history of the sport, is it different? Is he a guy that maybe you did tune in for a couple of his fights along the way? Uh, well, I've seen live a couple of his fights, you know. So, um, but no, man, I don't. The reason I don't do that, and everyone else says, why don't you watch tape? And I said, well, because if I see Connor throw his left hand and knock somebody out, the whole then I'm worried about that. You know what I mean? I just let my trainers and stuff. They watch. They study tape. I mean, they do their job, and we work, and we train, and we game plan all around that. Just because I don't see it, you know, I I like to just worry about what I'm going to do. Yeah. When along the way did he grab your respect? I mean, obviously that, that press conference, he was, you know, the skinny English kid that didn't deserve to come up, and, and now you got a lot of respect for him. When along the journey did you go, no, that, that guy's the real deal? Oh, just like everybody else, when he started doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And when he got up on the stage, he speaks very well, you know, and he grew the sport tremendously. I mean, the dude's a superstar, and he speaks well in front of the media. He brings a lot of eyes, a lot of attention. So, uh, you know, right around that time, I was like, ah, this dude, he's – He's got he's the whole package, man, for sure. As long as you've been doing this, I mean, you're a big fan favorite, but if you win this fight, I mean, it's going to be in front of the biggest audience ever. I mean, this would be be massive for you. I, I wonder, I mean, everybody talks about what, what Connor's going to do next, and does he want a 155 belt or a 170 belt? or, or I, mean, I mean, where would this catapult you? What, what do you want to get out of this? Oh, man, I'm just looking to go in there and have a good time. This is, uh, I do this for me, man, you know, right? This is like... The money and everything's great, but I, I, I literally love doing this. And um, so what's next? I don't know. Sunday, I'll probably talk to Dana before I'm loading up my bikes and heading home to load up my snowmobiles and go play in the fucking deep-ass snow that they're getting at home right now. So uh, that's what's next for me. Go play. Go have fun. And Saturday night, I get to go have the most fun I've ever had. So uh, I can't wait. Last thing for me, I know you don't want to look past this fight, but a little earlier today, Jorge Masvidal was sitting where you are. The BMF belt was right there on that table. And he, he, he did say, you know what? Maybe I'd be willing to put that thing up to challengers if they're willing to put something up for me. They got to make a, a bet, a wager. They got to have something for him to win. So I'm curious, can you think of a wager or something that you could put on the line for him so that maybe that BMF belt could come home to the, to the BMF ranch? Oh, man. I, like I said before, I don't know – what I'd offer Jorge, I'd love to sit here and say, man, I want to shot that BMF belt, but he'd be like, yo, Cowboy, I just whipped your ass two fights ago, so uh, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, I just beat Connor, and now I'm ready for you. And he's like, I don't know. So, I fuck, I'd love it. I'd love it. He wants to give me the opportunity. Absolutely. That'd be, you know, I feel like I'm one of the last fighters, him, Diaz, you know, there's, there's only a few handful of the real fighters that are left, you know, and uh, so if he wants to get in there and mix it up, hell fucking yeah. But uh, until then, Saturday night is what I'm looking forward to. Cowboy Cerrone, no surprises there. You know what to expect. Uh, the guy's coming in. Uh, he doesn't want to talk trash. He, he doesn't watch a lot of tape on his opponents. I mean, you, you know what you get. But, uh, I mean, what do you guys What do you guys make of, of Cowboy this week? I mean, I, I will say, listen, I mean, anybody that's a, 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 a longtime listener to this show knows, uh, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a Cowboy homer, uh, unabashed, no question about it. I mean, uh, just enjoyed following his career since the WEC. Um, but I will say, man, I ended up picking him in our staff picks. But I don't think it's necessarily just so a homer pick. You know, I, I think there's a couple things here. I mean, number one, now, it does bother me how much he gets pissed off when people start talking about grappling. Because 
I do so think stupid. he's got a huge advantage in the grappling department. And I'm not saying that you should be, you know, shooting for double legs at the opening bell. Like, I, I, I get it. You want to go out there and trade a little bit. That's what fans want to see. But I don't think fans want to see you just, you know, give yourself up. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a chance to win the fight, try to win the fight. And I think that's the best place to do it. So that, that part of it, I, I, you know, I, I think he, he has a big advantage there. Um, I also think the weight means something. There's no way that Conor McGregor is going to weigh 170 pounds. And, of course, by the time most people listen to this, the official weigh-ins will be in the books. But um, there's no way in the morning Conor McGregor is going to weigh 170 pounds. And Donald's going to have a, a, a decent little weight advantage, and he's not going to have to have gone through what he does at 155. Man, he wears himself out to get to 155. We've, we've all talked to him on, on lightweight fight week. So I, I just, you know, Early on, yes, Conor McGregor's power early on is, is, is scary, and I think it does translate to welterweight. I mean, he was able to drop Nate Diaz, right? So I think the, the, the power does uh, translate there. But as far as, um, you know, later in the fight, I think that all bodes well for Cowboys. So I just see a lot of things in Cowboys' favor. Now, Conor's Conor and does amazing things, you know. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he comes out and does something amazing. No, I, nobody saw him starching Jose Aldo in one shot. Nobody saw him obliterating Eddie Alvarez the way he did. So he could certainly have a trick or two up his sleeve, but I feel like there's just a lot of things pointing in Cowboys' direction that at least favor him. There should it, be. I mean, they're – yeah, look at this guy. Like, he, he's capable of winning a fight. He has more – skills in a lot of ways than Conor McGregor, but Conor McGregor's strengths are so strong that, like, you know, they're a lot to overhand. Yeah, they're, you know, that was one of the narratives from Cowboys team coming in. Oh, he has one round and a left hand in him. Whatever the case may be. Okay, well, that round and a left hand got him to two UFC titles and to become the biggest damn sport this, or star the sport has ever seen. So, like, you can't necessarily discount that, but yeah, it's just... It's tough, man. Like, I was there for that Justin Gaethje fight. I just don't know. Like, Cowboy has fought so many times. That has to take a toll. I mean, yeah, it's there. The skills are there, all that stuff. But, like, you know, you talk to these veteran fighters and stuff. Look at, like, a, like, say, like a Rashad Evans or someone like that. You talk to them. They're, like, so good at the analyst desk and all this stuff. They become so smart in their veteran years. But they're, like, you know, my body has broken down over the years. I can't. My mind is so much further ahead than what my body is capable of doing. And, like, I wish I could go back to being 25 and have the mind I have now, and I would be the greatest damn fighter this sport has ever seen. But that's the, you know, son of a bitch of the sport that, you you know, you become so knowledgeable as time goes on. And, like, innocence in a lot of ways is, like, one of the greatest things you can have in the sport because you don't know, like, how... You, you know, all these different ways to lose or these things, you get knocked out, you get submitted, these things go in the back of your mind. There's all these different psychologies. And Cowboy's kind of been through it all. So, like, I think his mind is probably as sharp as it's ever been coming into this fight, but just can he take it? Is Connor just going to pop him once in the chin and he's just not going to be able to handle that? And that could be that. And that's really what concerns me the most about Cowboy going into this fight. But you ended up picking Cowboy? I did. And I think in your sense, it's maybe – and a bit of a homer pick to you. I mean, Cowboys being very good to me in recent years. And, you know, I'd like to sit here and, you know, say the staff picks are based off pure, like, intelligence. But I, I say this all the all the time to people who, like, hit me up. They're like, oh, you know, you're in the game. Who should I bet on for this fight? And I'm just like, I'm the last person you want to ask because I feel like the more you 
the longer you're in the sport, the more around the athletes, the less you know in a lot of ways. Because like whether you want to admit it to yourself publicly or not, you form weird biases. You see things happen. I said a hundred times. I'm way easier. I'm way better. I should say at picking early prelims, like yeah, guys that because I'm watching them fight and I know and I know exactly how the skills match up. And I have no personal attachments to any of them. Exactly. So that's basically what it comes down to. Um, again, Cowboy has the skills. He seems to be mentally right there. I just don't. My biggest doubt is his physicality. I mean, we've been talking about this for years. Oh, you hit Cowboy in the body. He's going to crumple. You you know, all these things. Like, he, he definitely has his flaws, and they've been exposed a lot of the times in the octagon. And, um, you know, maybe this is the night where everything clicks for him. Maybe he just, you know, he's been saying, I want to see Connor. I want to test Connor's power. I want him to hit me, and then you know maybe I'll. You know I'm not going to go down to this guy. Like he, he's been reiterating it so much, and maybe that's the case. Maybe just this night he shows up, and I think welterweight does have something to do with it too. Uh, I think the weight, in some ways, takes the pop off Connor's shots a little bit. We saw what he was doing. You know, there's famous line at one of the press conferences. You know, I love fighting in that 145 division because I can just destroy these guys. They can't take my power. These little guys. Well, well, then you know, we've only seen really one lightweight fight from him, so we don't really know what to take from him in that weight class. And we've seen 170. He fights probably the most durable fighter in MMA history in Nate Diaz. What can you really take out of that? So there is so many things I think that are going to be revealed in this contest, and that's just what makes it so damn interesting. Well, I'd like to interject a little bit here. You know, as, as the MMA junkie 2019 uh, predictions oh, champion. Oh, look at him. Just <laughs> with an asterisk. That is true. We should give you props as that. Asterisk my ass. I won. I don't care. <laughs> For anybody that doesn't <laughs> since you came on during the middle of the year, uh, you uh, had a higher winning percentage. Correct. Dan Tom actually picked more winning fights than you, <laughs> but he picked a, a hundred more fights. So he picked uh, more losing fights than me as well. He picked more losing <laughs> fights than you as well. There you go. So uh, while you didn't have the highest number of wins, you had the highest percentage. And we should say it was it, it was over a very significant stretch of time as well. It wasn't like you came in for a month and and you had a very nice uh, a very nice winning percentage. That's, that's very kind of you, John. That's very magnanimous. But no, I, I you know I, I I put my cards on the table very very early here. I've picked Conor McGregor for this fight. I'm not a European homer. I'm not having that. <laughs> I'm not a European homer. Um, I see this fight as a three-minute... Not Well, I, I, I described it to you uh, the other day as a three-minute fight. Not because it might finish within three minutes. I think that that's the magic number in this fight. I think if the fight goes beyond three minutes, then the momentum shifts noticeably towards Cowboy Cerrone. I think if Conor McGregor is going to get it done, I think the most likely window for him to do that is in the first three minutes. I think Cowboy's a notoriously slow starter in his fights. He, every time, I, I sat and watched the fight with Alex Hernandez the other day. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't look good for the first minute and a half, two, nope. two and a half minutes of that fight. Alex Hernandez started very strong, looked very good. He was like, okay, he's backing up all that trash talk before. And then Cowboy started to come into the fight. It's almost like he wanted to see his cards and say, okay, I can deal with this. And then he started. Second half of that first round, he then started to put it on him. By the end of the first round, Hernandez was cut up, bloody, all over the place, going back to the stool. Cowboy just walked back to the stool like it was no thing, right? It was it was easy peasy for him. And I'm not saying Conor McGregor is Alex Hernandez. Absolutely no way is he, you know, that that's a massive disrespect for Conor. But what I am saying is, 
Connor has has his honey punches the left hand. He's not only a left-hand fighter, but the majority of his offense comes from that left-hand side. You don't see many of his finishes coming from the right-hand side. That comes from the left-hand side. Cowboy Cerrone, if he's drilled well enough and he fights smart and gets through the first, the first half of the first round, let's say, first two and a half, three minutes, I think the momentum starts to shift towards him. And I was, it's funny, I had quite an animated conversation with Aaron Bronstetter uh, just before we came here. Uh, he's a cow. He, he's picked cowboy for this fight. Right. I don't know if I'm outing him as a cowboy picker right now. <laughs> Apologies, Aaron, if I have. Um, he's picked cowboy for this fight, um, and he's of the view that cowboy's got more in his locker from a skill set perspective that, that is proven, right? Than than we've seen from Connor. I would agree. Unarguable. Yeah. You can't argue I mean, that. With the number of fights he's had, you've had a chance to show a lot. It's more. a larger sample size. Yeah. But he. 17 wins by submission. People know him as a striker. He's a submission guy, really. He is. If you look, you know, I think nine KOs versus 17 subs, I think he is. Um, and I think if Connor, uh, sorry, if, if Cowboy fights pragmatically, which I don't think he's ever done in his life, <laughs> but if he does, if he does, and if he, if he said to, if he said anything during this week that suggested to me that he was going to fight pragmatically, I would be emailing Matt Erickson and saying, I want to change my pick. Not a single but, moment. But there is not a glimmer. Yep. And he got upset with you for kind of faux yeah, upset, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. For, for sort of mentioning the grappling thing. That's for one or two reasons. One, because that's what he's going to do. I don't think that's the case, right? The other is because, like, the mere suggestion of it is like an affront to his manhood or something, right? I'm not going to go for a shoot, shoot from the dressing room or whatever, you know. I'm going to go and stand with him. I just, I just think that if he fights to the full breadth of his skill set, he can beat Connor. I, do, I agree. I just don't think he will. Because the mindset of Cowboy, he's a crowd pleaser. He wants to go in there. He wants to throw down. That's what he does. And ultimately, I think that will be his undoing on Fortnite because that's exactly what Connor wants. He wants people to walk on to him. It will just it will amplify his own power. I know we talk about fighting at 170 rather than 155. If the man's walking onto you, that adds a, li- a few more pounds of power to your punches as he's walking onto them. So... I just, I just, I fancy, I fancy um, McGregor strongly in this fight. But if it goes beyond the f- the first three minutes, then I'm going to start thinking, okay, this, I, I made a mistake. this is going to get interesting. <laughs> it's going to get interesting. It's well, going to get, and also the whole the whole prediction league title thing. I'm going to come rock bottom in 2020. I'm putting it out there now. Yeah, hey, well, that's basically what happened I'm going to be, I'm I won be the dead first last. year that we ever did it, and I will take pride in this that that year had the most fights that we've ever done. We had the back-to-back events, all that kind of stuff, but we also had a smaller staff. We didn't have fight analyst Dan Tom. Well, you know, we didn't have involved the brilliant point, yeah. Brit over here. Uh, oh, wow. You know, brilliant Brit. But I, like I, th- I, I think there's... To my Twitter bio. <laughs> I think there's maybe some beginner's luck involved. I don't know. We'll see. Ooh. Wow. All right, well, listen. Two, USC 246, it is Saturday night. It's going to be big. Uh, it, it is all about Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. It has been all week long. Uh, but briefly, I was going to say, briefly, I will say this. Uh, and I want to get your thoughts real quick on, on maybe just one or two fights that you're looking out for. Because I will say this. There are some fights on here that I am very, very intrigued by, okay? Uh, 
starting out on the main card, Claudia Gadelia versus Alexa Grasso. I think that's a very, very key matchup in the women's strawweight division, a clash of styles. Alexa Grasso, man, has really started to kind of round out her skill set. Claudia Gadelia kind of reinventing herself with the Mark Henry squad up there. Uh, we'll see where she stands. I mean, she's been around forever, but still I think she's only 31, which is crazy because she's been in this game for a long time. That's intriguing to me. Diego Fajeda versus Anthony Pettis. You know, you talk about a crossroads fight. Anthony Pettis, I'm not sure which direction his career is going in anymore. And Diego Fajeda, a guy that's been streaking, hasn't necessarily gotten the respect he deserves for the career record he has for the some of the names. I think some of the names that he has on his record are names that casual fans wouldn't recognize, but we look at and we go, man, those those are tough people. Macy Barber versus Roxanne Modafferi. Of course, obviously, Roxanne Modafferi is uh, my, my, my kid's jiu-jitsu instructor, so that makes it very intriguing for me. For but sure. this is Macy Barber, the undefeated you know, top prospect facing a veteran, and it is reminiscent to some degree. Now, I don't want to say Antonina Shevchenko had as much hype as Macy Barber did, but she did have the Shevchenko name about her, and 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 so there's. But there are to me there are similarities. I'm not saying it's the same fight, but it's it's a situation where if you discount Roxanne Modafferi and, and say that, that she doesn't have an opportunity, uh, you're wrong. So this will be a veteran uh, test for Macy Barber. Andre Feely versus Sadiq Youssef should just be absolute bonkers, man. I think that's going to be a potential fight of the night. Sadiq, I've been high on since he's on the regional stage. Andre Feely really starting to China come into his own, I the think. Best and, and, and in the world. Yeah, man, he, he believes in himself. The, the, the newly promoted Askar Askarov uh, versus Tim Elliott, I mean, I think that's a very, very big fight between a prospect and, and somebody that's kind of been there. Um, and I will say this, Drew Dober versus Nasret Hakparas. Uh, Drew Dober, I think, has kind of criminally underappreciated. Meanwhile, Nasret Hakparas is one of those young guys um, that looks like he could be next level. So, you know, I rattled through a bunch of them. I'm not saying that uh, you have to go with something different, but I, I just wanted to kind of give my thoughts on some of the ones that matter. But is there one or two fights, Mike, for you that, that of course, this is all about the main event, but that you're saying, hey, people, make sure you pay attention to this one. Well, I wouldn't say, well, one you didn't mention. I wouldn't say necessarily the fights, but the fighters that I'm more interested in. I mean, you didn't mention Holly Holm and Raquel Pennington there. Uh, Holly Holm, you got to imagine this is kind of a do-or-die moment. I mean, she, a lot of her fights have been title fight losses. I think her only non-title loss in the UFC was to Valentina Shevchenko, uh, unless I'm forgetting one. I'm pretty sure that's the case. So, like, for her to lose a fight like this against someone in a rematch in Raquel Pennington, someone she already beat, like, we, we spoke to her very early this week on Tuesday, and I asked her, you know, like, it's basically the same situation. Like, Holly Holm, can, I think she's 5-5 five and five in the UFC. Right. Something like that. But it's crazy. She, she wins one fight. Like, there's no one with her name value. Like, we talk about all these she title shots needle, coming dude. off she losses. She moves the needle. Yeah, even still to this day, like, you look at the YouTube videos, our interviews, she's still, one, like, one of the highest viewed ones. If she and would just take her physical fitness seriously and get herself into shape, I think she could really have some success. Right? So, like, for her, though, <laughs> I mean. Jo like, joking, by the way, for anybody. Uh, this yeah. chick is ripped. <laughs> it's crazy the way she looked at the face-offs today. Uh, it was wild. But for her, like, to lose, you know, she has everything to lose in this fight. She's fighting someone she's already sure. beat. Uh, she's coming off a title fight loss where she got, you know, checkmarked with her own damn trademark kick. Yep. And, like, so for her to lose a fight like this, I really don't know where she goes. Like, there is not many options for her her she said when I asked her you know, she's like I, I'm not in this for a participation medal if I don't think I can be the champion or get back to that point I'm not going to do this and if she loses this fight I think that's a serious conversation she has to have with herself and I guess if we're you know mentioning someone else in a similar vein not identical Anthony Pettis there I mean this guy has been through Every damn career iteration you can imagine, he has. Featherweight, you know, welterweight, 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 WC, all the, UFC. 
everything. And like, if he loses this fight, he's gonna be nine and nine in the UFC. That is crazy to think about. Like, that's, that's the guy in the Wheaties box. Yeah, man, it's nuts. And you know, I I'm a little surprised he took this fight against Diego Ferreira. Like, he you know he's I coming know. off a Nate Diaz co-main event on. You know, we didn't vote at our card of the year, but UFC 241 in many people's minds was the fight card of the year. For it was pretty close for, sec for second place. Yeah, and yeah. he, you know, he was right there, and that was a absolutely enormous fight. And you know, for him, I asked him today more or less, and you know, he couldn't get too much into this ongoing. You saw the situation, which seems like one of the weirder things ever, claiming you know he cut his hand on a piss bottle right before the fight, all, all this weird stuff. But like. It always, and this is no disrespect to Anthony Pettis at all, but there's always something. You know, it's an injury in the fight. It's something weird that happened before. It's you know, my body shut down on the weight cut. There's this, that, and the other thing. And I asked him, I was like, do you ever sit back and be like, man, is it dumb luck? Does my body just hate me? Like, I don't really know what it is. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I think about it. Like, it's a little bit crazy, but, you know, I always try to focus on the positive and keep moving forward and stuff, which is, I guess, what you have to do. You can't Somebody set my cars on fire in my driveway. Right, like, <laughs> forgot about that. Dude, it's, it's nuts what this guy has been through. Oh, so, for, But for him to fight a guy like Diego Ferreira, who a lot of people don't know, but very much Dangerous. I respect him Dangerous. for taking this. He deserves an opportunity like this, and this is, you know, respect Anthony Pess. This is what we want to see in the sport. We want to see a guy who's done a five-fight winning streak, beat some criminally underrated fighters like Rustam Habilov, all that kind of stuff, to earn an Fights opportunity like this. And props to Anthony Pettis for giving a guy like Diego this opportunity. But you lose to Nate Diaz, you lose to a guy like this, I am not sure where you go from there. Of course, he can keep fighting. He has the name. He has all that kind of stuff. Maybe but you go to PFL or Bellator or whatever. He's, he's got names. Sure. Japan. Sure. sure. And, you know, but as far as I know, I think he has four more fights on the UFC contract. UFC isn't just going to cut him. No. But they're going to offer him fights that are similar to this. So, like, and it's just, I don't think he's going to retire or anything like that. But, like, you know, I think we're like five years removed from Anthony Pettis' title reign yeah. or something like this at this point. I just don't know if he loses this fight where he goes from here. So it'd be great. You know, uh, Diego Ferreira is awesome. It'd be a great win for him. But you'd like to see Anthony Pettis maybe rise to the occasion, get a big win here. And then, you know, he still has a lot of juice in that squeeze. You know, he's a guy that maybe a few more fights go different. He could have been in this main event fighting Conor McGregor. I know he, uh, when Conor was talking about coming back in July, Justin Gaethje was the front runner, but he was in that conversation as well from what I've heard. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting time for Anthony Pettis. I think him and Holly Holm are the two fighters that I think I like outside it. of the main event yep. just have so much on the Very line Very intriguing, a lot on the line. How about you, Simon? Well, I had, I had a good chat with uh, Alexi Ole Olenek, yep. uh, who... Uh, Perhaps isn't the uh, the biggest superstar on the card, <laughs> but there is no one on that. He's probably got more fights on the card than most of the fighters added together. Yeah. I think this is the 72nd fight. or the, uh, Yeah, he's the 72nd professional fight Jeez. of his career. Um, had a good chat with him. Obviously, I'm here on behalf of a Russian outlet, so... It was it was one uh, a must get for me to uh, have a chat with him and um, doesn't like to call it the Ezekiel choke right? Well, I, I said to him, you know, you got more Ezekiel chokes, and he was like, yeah, 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 and then he called it the Elenic choke. I like it. Uh, which which <laughs> you know, I wasn't hey. going to correct him because when you hit that many, hey, if it's the Von Pru, then you know it might as well it's, might as well be the Elenic choke. It is the Elenic choke at this point, and you know he's hit twelve of them in competition. He's got an insane uh, is that 45 submissions or something insane like that he's got on his on his on his record. I mean that, that that just like most people don't have that many fights. Right. Right? If you have 45 fights, you've had a long career. He's had that many submission wins and 
I would argue that to win by submission is harder than to win by knockout. I think I think there are more things that need to need especially now, not in the early days of yeah. sport, but especially now. But he's still doing it. And uh, I was talking to him. I, I spoke to him about his uh, his quintet bout with Gordon Ryan, oh. and he said he said Gordon Ryan basically did me with a white belt move. <laughs> um, he said he said he said I've not I've not been training specifically for grappling for 15 years. Yeah, and he got me with like a I think he called it a level one move, and he was really pissed about it. Um, and but. Yeah. And, and Gordon Ryan's got a lot of guys with level one moves. Yeah, so. well, 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 yeah. When you Gordon Ryan, you get him with whatever move you like. But, but I mean, like seventy-one fights, fifty-seven wins. He's only been to decision four times in that. So that's insane. Wow, that's that's insane. insane. That is insane. And he's fighting uh, Maurice Green this weekend, who is who's a stand-up fighter. He's a striker, and uh, he won three in a row. And then he got smashed by uh, another Russian, Sergey Pavlovich, and he's now looking to bounce back and. It's going to be interesting. I think we're, I, I hate to say this. I think I think the first couple of minutes of this fight, we might not see a strike thrown. I think. I, would he, agree. I, I I think I think Maurice is going to try and look for a way in, and I think Sergei, uh, I think uh, I think Alexi's not going to give him a lot, and I think uh, uh, I think Alexi plans on just taking him down and finishing him. And but talking to him is really interesting for a guy who's had seventy-one fights, and you know the experience he's had, and been in there with the likes of Crow Cop and guys like that, and. He said to me he gets more nervous for fights now after 70 fights than he did when he was a, sort of young up-and-comer. He says he's got a family now and he now knows how he can get beat. Whereas before, he didn't, he didn't really know. He was just on his way up. He sort of devil-may-care attitude. Now he's got to maintain his status and he's just working his way up. And he's, you know, I said, well, what's your dream fight? You've been in there with a who's who. He said, well, the only dream fight left for me is, is a title fight. And... He's got a little bit to do, I think, to get himself in that position. But he's a—he's re- not the biggest talker in the world. But he's no. e- his English is pretty good, and, and he's uh, always got like a little wry smile on his face. He did, like, yeah. No, I—I—I I, I was going to get him for like two, three minutes. I ended up talking to him for about eight minutes, yeah. and uh, it, it, was, it was very entertaining and, and and interesting to sort of listen to him. I think I think his fight is one I'm going to be paying extra attention to. Obviously, with with, with the outlet that I'm working for, um, and on the same on the same note, Askar Askarov against Tim Elliott. I think more people will be familiar with Tim Elliott Absolutely. coming through the Ultimate Fighter for his second go in the UFC. Very scrappy. He will. He's won and lost. He sort of alternated wins and losses here and there, but he gives everybody a really solid test, and he'll give Askarov a good test. Askarov has only had one fight in the UFC. I think they flew him down to Mexico to fight Brandon Moreno right. on his UFC debut. I don't think Askarov had fought outside of Eastern Europe. And then they flew him to Mexico for his UFC debut. Hell of a fight. And he fought, Hell of a fight. And he fought to a draw in an absolute bomb burn. And Moreno was on point that night. Yeah. And it went it went to a split draw in that fight. And uh, I've watched Askarov fight in Europe for ACB. He was there. He was their flyweight champion. And I know it's a stereotype. Whenever you see a Russian fighter, he's very good on the ground. But, oh, he's a such and such Khabib. He's kind of a pint He's a little bit of a pint-sized Khabib insofar as... He's got that. He's got that dominant top game. It's that Sambo background. All these guys who are coming out of Russia, and uh, like Dagestan is a real hotbed for that talent. But coming out of Russia in particular, they've got this this grounding. I know, back in the early days of the UFC, it was the Americans coming out of the collegiate wrestling programs. We're now seeing that out of Russia now. Right. And uh, Askarov is legit. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting him to get a win against Elliot. Elliot is a, is a tough, gritty guy. 
if he gets a win against Elliott, that flyweight division right now is wide open. Yep. You've got uh, Deverson Figueredo taking on Joe Benavides for the vacant belt. And they're going to need a contender to face the winner. And I think if Askarov can get a finish and a suitably impressive one, then he might find himself not far up there. You know, especially if the UFC are looking to do an event in Moscow maybe later in the year. I wouldn't be surprised to see Askarov challenge him for the flyweight, flyweight belt on that card. Well, listen, I mean, uh, I, I do think uh, we're going to tune in on Saturday night and have a pretty good fight card, man. I think it's going to be entertaining. Of course, it's all about Conor McGregor and Cowboy Cerrone, and rightfully so. Uh, but I think it's going to end up being a, a very entertaining fight card for, for many of the reasons you guys laid out. So, uh, all right, listen, uh, briefly, just want to say Cole Coffee. I mentioned it to start out with, not here with us tonight. He is working this week. He will be with us this week. Uh, he's having some, some struggles right now, and uh, I won't go into it much more than that. Uh, but if you're listening and you can send some good thoughts to, uh, to Cole Coffee, man, he could use them right now. Um, Love you, Kenny. Yeah, man, we, uh, we, we miss him being here. He's actually going to edit this bad boy together. Uh, and post it the way he does every single week and has for 251 consecutive weeks. But uh, send some positive vibes his way. Uh, he, he could definitely use it. So, What's up, man, uh, Kenny? Yep. Shout out to Cold Coffee. All right, listen, uh, let's pack it up because uh, we got to get the early weigh-ins in the morning, and uh, it's going to be a crazy weekend. Uh, we'll have all that covered on MMA Junkie in the meantime. Thanks for listening.